Good morning, Storehouse. How's everybody today? I'm not Pastor Marco. I say this every time I preach for him. I, I always say I'm not Pastor Marco, but I'm wearing his shoes. I always do that. I always wear my, my chucks in honor, Pastor Marco. My name is Ruben, um, and I know quite a few of you. I see some new faces out there. Uh, Pastor Marco is going to be out for a couple weeks, so I am preaching in his absence, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, I was the uh, children's pastor of Logos Community, Logos Kids, for about four years. So I, I come back, and like the kids are like adults, <laughs> like taller than me, shaving. Like he's like super tall, you know. They're like whoa. Anyway. So it's, it's always good to be back here, and, I, and I'm excited that I'm, I'm always excited to come to this building. Um, I'm a McAllen kid through and through, and this building here, like my mom used to drop me off to study, like she would bring me here to study, and we'd just mess around, I mean, and I would just check out like all these, you know, geeky science fiction books and stuff like that here. So I, when I walked in, the smell was like, oh, I'm like 14 again, this is awesome, like I love this building here. Um, so I'm happy to be here, and I'm also honored to preach from my, one of my favorite books here. Let me move this up. This is a preach, we're, we're studying James right now. And the reason I love James is because it's very practicable. Like, it's very, it's not like real otherworldly, like you're reading Revelations or, or, or John or, or, or one of those uh, books in the Bible. It makes a lot of sense because it just has really practicable things put in there, you know, it's, it's boots on the ground kind of thing. Um, and the other thing I love about it is it like, it still applies today. Like we're still struggling with the same things. People still struggle with doubt. People still say dumb things. I don't know if you've heard a dumb thing or two in your time. Uh, people still deceive themselves. Uh, people still think believing in God is all it takes to get to heaven. Have you heard that one? Like I believe in God, I'm good. You know, you hear that. Um, Believers still struggle with, with loving others as they would love themselves. And then, so knowing all of this, we read this book. We study this book. Um, and hopefully, as, as this book challenges us to do, we become doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So we put our faith in action as, as this book constantly challenges us to do. And in the series, you know, that's, that's our whole theme in this series. Is, series is faith in action, Right? So um, let's pray today, and, and I want our prayer to be that we're doers of the word and not just hearers, that you're, you're here in the formerly uh, McAllen Public Library, right? And when I was 14, I never thought, like, so one day you're going to be preaching down there and not pretending to study, you know? So here today, let's pray that we are doers of the word and not hearers. Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We come before you, Lord, as tired, sometimes weary, but ultimately victorious children. We are children of, of, of the King, Father God. And I, I pray that as we read this scripture, as we read scripture throughout the week, that we are doers of the word and not just hearers only. That we apply these things that we're, we're learning about um, and that as we read the scripture that it, we're not really reading it, Lord, but it's reading us. And so as we come together, we gather today, um, your, your people today, we pray for that for, for churches throughout 
the Rio Grande Valley, through our nation, through our world, that uh, lives are changed and that we are furthering your kingdom. We are making disciples um, and that, uh, you know, in the end, that we are hastening your arrival. Like we are getting everything ready for you to come back and redeem your people. Lift these things up in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Now, I know brother, uh, our brother here, he, he shared a little bit earlier. Sean was, was reading from the word. I'm going to read it again so it's fresh in our minds. Um, and we are studying James 1.26 through 2.13 today. So if you have a, a phone, an app, or for giggles, because like it's, it's a former library actually about the Bible, like with pages. Um, I'm going to read the scripture. So join along with me. 126. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, my sisters... Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you, sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you, stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal Law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not, do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. May God bless the reading of his word. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. The first test of pure religion is controlling what you say. James here in this, this section of scripture uses the, uh, the image, the, the metaphor of a bridle, your tongue being a bridle. So if you don't know what a bridle is, um, a bridle is what controls a horse. It's like a bit put into the mouth of a horse to, to turn the horse one way or another. And without that control, a horse is going to do what it wants. It'll go wherever it wants to go, or it won't go anywhere at all. It'll just sit there, stay there. And the point here that he's making is that your tongue and the words you say will take you in certain directions if you don't control it. 
So there, there's, there's essentially, anytime you speak, there's, there's two paths, and, and it's tone, it's the actual words that you use. Anytime anything comes out of your mouth, you need to know this. You can either build up someone, or you can tear them down. And the thing about the words that we speak is, is once they're out there, can we take them back, church? They're out. Like, you, you, can't, you can't take it back. You can say, hey, please forgive me. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry for my tone, but the, it's out there, right? So you really cannot take those words back once, they, once they've been put out there. Um, and we see this later on in chapter 3, uh, James, same book. It says, he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And, and I love this because this echoes uh, the words of Jesus. And Jesus in uh, Luke 6.45, uh, Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So what does that mean? Simply put, it, it means... It's asking you a question, essentially. It says, do you build up others by speaking to them of God's glory? Are you having gospel conversations by telling others what he's done in your life, in the, in the lives of those around you? Do you speak the truth in love when you have to exhort someone? When someone is needing correction, do you do it in love, or do you put on your judgy pants and you talk to them a certain way? Because ultimately, when you tear someone up, behind their back or in front of their back, what you're doing is, if, if you're not doing this in love and, and, you're, and you're just, you know, putting out, you know, venom to someone, you're tearing them down. And the, the thing you need to understand about this, I, I've been very convicted about this. Um, the thing you need to understand is that when you tear someone down, you are tearing down God's image bearer. Think about that for a second. So if I sit there and I gossip and I, I you know, talk real negatively about somebody, it's not just the person that I'm, I'm ripping up. I'm ripping up God's image bearer. Whether or not that, that person is a brother or a sister in Christ, what we need to understand is that they bear God's image. They were made in his image. So ultimately, we're, we're cursing God himself when we do that. Or to, to put it in, in a context you may or may not have experienced do you gossip pray? You ever heard the gossip prayer? Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Oh, Lord, I just want to lift up Reuben. He's gained a lot of weight recently, Lord, and uh, he's let himself go. And um, I know he posts on Facebook that he's, he's checking in to work out, but we, we don't see any fruit of that at all in his life. He's Instagramming his, you know, the he ate tacos and uh, they, they just don't seem to line up. So we just lift him up to you, Lord, in a, in a group, right? <laughs> like saying this with other people, right? That's an extreme example, right? Or not. I don't know. Maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're experiencing this. But I've heard variations of this where they're just kind of throwing things out there to, to talk about someone, but it's through the guise of prayer. So what, what I'm going to say to you now is, is that you, when you need to pray for someone, um, pray that the Holy Spirit gives you discernment on how to pray for that person, honoring them, but still praying for them, right? Um, 
Another question for you, what, what does that, that mean, that whole bridle thing? Um, does it mean that if you don't bridle your tongue, you're deceiving your heart? Because simply put, if you can't control what you're saying, you can't control your words, it, it's a symptom of a larger issue. It means your heart isn't right. Because remember the words of Jesus, out of the abundance of the what? Heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say and how you say it, it's really a symptom of what's going on in your heart. So that's why it's, it's, a, it's like the first test of your religion. And I'm going to break down that term religion here in a minute. Just wait for it. What you, uh, what you say displays what's in your heart. And like I said earlier, what you say, you, you can't take it back. As, as much as you would like to, you can't do it. Verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The second test of pure religion, and I'm emphasizing that word pure religion, is faith in action. And in our church today, in our, in our modern, you know, relatively new, young church here, we don't like that word religion. Some time ago, uh, you know, at Logos Community in McAllen, we actually had uh, these rubber bracelets. And you all remember what those rubber bracelets said? What did they say? Religion kills, right? Oh, that was a good uh, conversation starter. What, what, what do you mean? Religion? It kills? What is that? You know, I would, you know, I got kind of ruffled some feathers wearing that, but it was a good conversation starter. And, and religion, that whole word may bring up painful memories for you. Uh, it may, may make you think about people clinging to, to ritual over actual faith, actual substance. And we use that term, she or he is religious. It's old school. Right? It doesn't really like show a true relationship with Jesus. And, and even worse is that when we use the term organized religion. You ever heard that term? Right? That means, like, I guess if it's disorganized, it's good. If it's organized, it's not so good. I don't know what that means. So there's a reason we're not comfortable with that word. Religion, as we see it here, used in, in James, it's not often used, which leads me to believe that the Bible writers and all 66 books of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, they weren't very comfortable with the word either. And I, I looked it up. I looked up two things. I want, I want to say, what's the contrasting word to religion? So then I thought, okay, worship, right? That's like true, true worship. The Bible uses the word worship, according to my, my Googleolo search, it uses the word worship 8,629 times. Do you know how many times the word religion is used? To the best of my knowledge and my searching and looking, it's used six or seven times, depending on the translation. Seven versus 8,629. And you need to think about that for a second. And, and of those six or seven times it's used, let's just say seven, it's, it's only used positively once here in James. Okay. So everywhere else, there's a negative connotation with that word religion. And, and here we see the word religion, and it's used positively because what is the word that comes before it? Pure. Everybody say pure. pure. Pure comes before the word religion. So it's not just religion by itself. Here James is like really contrasting 
religion and pure religion. He's turning this, this whole term on its word. He, he's he's uh, on his head. He's challenging believers of the day to look at the practices of, of our religion as, as ultimately being empty and deceptive. Here he's getting to what pure religion is, and he defines it very clearly. Pure religion is about faith and action, essentially, is what he's saying. The description of pure religion is here. Read it again. Religion, that is, everybody say pure. pure. And undefiled, everybody say undefiled. undefiled. Before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their infliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And you put those together, what are those two things? You put, you put together action. It means action here. It's action that glorifies God and serves the people he loves. We understand religion to mean the same thing today, which is, which is why we oftentimes, most of, most of the times, we avoid that word. We'll say things like, when we use it, we say she's very religious about going to church, meaning you, you like constantly, consistently are doing something. CrossFit is like a religion to him. Not to me, obviously, but to him. <laughs> right? Someone else. He's very fit. We never mean it to say that someone's love for God is in its purest form and selfless and service to others. In other words, they, they do church. They go to church. They, they have those outward appearances. They pray. They, they, they pray the same prayers. They know all the, all the different things that go along with that, the outward uh, appearance of that. So alone going to church and being dedicated to fitness are not enough in and of themselves to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. There has to be something more. And that something more is the purity that James is talking about. The religion here is pure because it doesn't add anything else that is necessary to glorify God. There is no, you need Jesus and, or, or you need Jesus, but don't forget to. Not that type of thing in there. It's keeping yourself unstained from the world, not adopting ceremonies just to look good or to tell others that you have a relationship with God, okay? All right? And, and just a big hint, you know, you posting your devotionals with a nice filter and the Bible and your cup of coffee, that doesn't tell you anything, right? You can do that. It looks cool. I'm not saying don't do that. But that has nothing to do with your faith, all right? That's gonna, not going to build you up anymore. Than, than, than you already are in your relationship with God. And, and my, my question in, in the study too is like, why does he refer to widows and orphans? He could have picked any category of souls needing to be saved, souls that were needing to be served. He could have picked anyone. And my, my thought on it and, and in the commentary that I've read is, it, is if you take the lowest in spirit, the lowest like in, in societal regard... You have orphans at one end of the spectrum, and then you have widows at the other, okay? Orphans are, are young. They're the most vulnerable. They're alone. They're uncared for in, in many respects, okay? In other words, they're, they're unwanted, right? That's why we, we, in the church, we emphasize adoption. We emphasize caring for, for children that, you know, don't have parents or their parents have abandoned them. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum here, you have widows. And widows are older. They're the most vulnerable. Um, they're alone. And, and the, the sad part of it is they've known love, but they've lost it. 
So in essence, when you take widows at one end, orphans at the other, we're to care for those who are alone. Okay? And I'll just say this, you know, I'm not a regular person at this church, but this is, applies to church all the time, is when we see someone coming in these doors and they're alone, they should not be alone. Someone should go and shake their hand. The, the, you know, people may leave church for theological differences or they get called out of, uh, you know, out of this church to, to start something in a new church ministry, but people should never leave a church because they never felt included or loved or cared for. That should never be a reason why someone doesn't come back to storehouse. Because, and I'll tell you this, if, if that's the reason, we have missed it. We have missed it, all right? So introverts, I'm going to challenge you right now. You see someone alone and no one is like talking to them or they're getting coffee and they look like they want to talk to somebody. Get out of your little bubble. Get uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I don't, <sighs> hmm. Like you're looking for, you know, Anne Delacrosse. Can somebody, hey, somebody extroverted. I need somebody like extrovert SWAT team coming over here because I don't know what to do. No, you are there and you're noticing it for a reason because the Holy Spirit did that. They put you in the path of that person. Okay? That's, that's what I'm saying here is that, and, and you take orphans and widows, like we covered them. Okay, we good? We, we went out uh, to, to Mexico, missions. Awesome. Okay, what about figurative widows? Single moms whose husbands have abandoned them. What about figurative orphans that only have one parent or an absent parent? Okay, not actual, you know, categorical widows or orphans, but what about those figurative ones? Are we reaching out to them, right? So pure religion that is unspotted from the world is to love God and care for those whom God loves. Pure religion is doing these things not to win God's favor or to look good or to get likes or hearts or whatever, you know, on InstaFace. None of those things. You do those things because you're after God's heart. You want to be like your father. As God was and always will be the same God, this is an echo of what we saw in the Old Testament. So you see direct correlations in the Old Testament to the new. Listen to this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of the deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct opposition, bring justice to the fatherless. What does that mean? Orphans, right? Plead the widow's cause in the same like verse from the Old Testament to the new. We see that. Religion that is pure, and I'll read this again and, and focus on the other part, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to keep oneself unstained from the world. The third test of pure religion is keeping yourself unspotted from the world. So we can do all these things and still not have a true relationship with Jesus. Do you know that? Some of the nicest, like, most charitable, encouraging people I have known make us look bad in the church. And those people don't know Jesus from Jethro. They have no relationship with Jesus at all. 
They give to the poor. You know, they're the ones that adopt. We saw this a lot. We, we lived up in the Northwest. A lot of good people. And I put that in quotes. Good people. Outshining us. Recycling. Doing all kinds of good things, right? <laughs> Caring for the environment, right? All these good things. So you can do all those things and you can still be lost. I'll just say that. And, and in, in the world, like those, those are the folks that are the hardest to talk to Jesus about because they're good and they're better than you in many respects, right? So in their mind, like, I don't sin. I don't, I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I do all these things. But again, without Jesus, you're lost. I don't care how good you are. You will never be good enough. The mark of true religion here, pure religion, I should say, is being redeemed by Jesus. And we who are believers are to live in the world as ambassadors of God's kingdom. Did you know you're an ambassador? When you walk up and they may or may not know you're a believer and you meet someone new, if you're a believer, you're a, a representative of the kingdom. So you're like the UN of Christianity, the representative. So what you say, what you do represents Jesus in every interaction and people are watching. They're paying attention. I don't want to stress you out. <laughs> like, oh, wait a second. Especially if you're driving and you have a little fish or something on your car and then you're echando things out the window, <laughs> maliciones, you know, all these things. Saying things or swerving or, you know, doing Christian road rage. You know, not keeping your fingers in the fist. You, Mr. Man, or I don't know. So you represent Jesus. You need to know that. Our ways are to be different. We're to talk differently. We're to live our, live our lives in victory and on mission to share the gospel, the love of Christ, and to make disciples of all nations. And though we live in the world, we're citizens of the kingdom of God. You're not a citizen of this world. You're, you're a citizen of the kingdom. That's why I say you're like an ambassador, right? Okay? And this is like our church is like our embassy. Wherever we're at, it's like our embassy. That's how I kind of I visualize it. You're set apart. In the, in, the, in the word it says, they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world, Jesus says. And you're set apart not because you need to look good or because you're better than others. You're set apart because you've been redeemed. You, amen. amen. We have been saved. Being unstained from the world means you have been drawn out of the world because you now belong to a different king, the Lord Jesus, and you act accordingly. You walk accordingly. Now listen to this quote I read like from an old-timey preacher from the 70s, uh, Pastor Jack Hiles. He says this. He says, now listen carefully. Everyone listen. And I'm not going to do like a southern accent, so don't even worry about that. Religion will send more people to hell than liquor. More people will be in hell because they were religious than of any single reason in the world. May I say, by way of introducing my message, religion and Christ are in opposition to each other. Religion says man must do something to get to heaven join something to get to heaven, have something done to him to get to heaven. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So religion is one thing. Pure religion, as we see defined here, is an outpouring of what's already in you to do what? 
to serve the lost, to serve widows, to serve orphans, to control our tongues, and to ultimately glorify God in the process. As long as you have this feeling of being religious, you feel good about yourselves. I see posts all the time. Just got out of church, feeling great. And then I read what, what was going on Friday night. You know, woo, ripping it up. <laughs> having a good old time, you know. And then Sunday morning, got out of church, feeling and there's that little emoji, blessed, you know. <laughs> right? Come on, guys. Really. It, it's, it's, if it's going to just make you feel good and you, you come out of here and you feel inspired, we have missed it. Because we're not here to just be inspired and, and, and feel good about ourselves. Those things are not bad in and of themselves, but it is a symptom of what's going on in our heart. It's not an outward thing. Pure religion, says man, does things because they're redeemed by Jesus. Understand that they have been redeemed from him, uh, what they've been redeemed from, and we'll get to heaven. My brothers show no, uh, verse in chapter two here, and I'm going to read a chunk of it. Uh, My brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which is promised to those who love them. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Forever, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not, do not commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor. So speak and so act to those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. One time... Um, in McAllen, at, 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 at the, old, the old building, at Logos Community, you know, before the, the, the replant here, I, I made an altar call. Are you all familiar with an altar call? Okay, so altar call, I'll just tell you if you don't know, it's when a, a preacher looks out at the people are gathered and makes a lot of eye contact, right? And asks them if they want to make a public confession of faith by walking out to the aisle to come to the front. And now at this altar call, the person prays, they make a confession of faith, they ask God to forgive them of their sins, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they confess that they believe this is only possible, salvation is only possible through through Christ's work on the cross and his his resurrection, right? Some churches, they do like a repeat after me type of thing. Some churches, they, you know, uh, the sinner's prayer, perhaps, um, but this one Sunday, 
for me, I made my confession of faith by doing that. And I remember it very clearly. The pastor, you know, preached. and said, okay, this time I'm, I'm going to open up the altar for you to come up and get right with Jesus today. You know, if you were to walk out right now and get hit by a car, you actually said that. And I was like, oh, wow. Get hit by a car. Would you be right with Jesus? So I'm going to open up the altar. Come on down. If there's anyone else. And he was like, anyone else? Like looking at me, making eye contact with me, right? Anyone else? So he opened it up like three times. And then finally on the third time, I came up to the front and I, you know, I, I, I made my confession of faith. But I, I did the same thing um, this, this one Sunday. I was very compelled to do that uh, this one Sunday. And this brother came up from the back, right? And, and he came up and he looked kind of, you know, a little grungy a little bit. I don't know if that's still... Y'all understand what that is, but kind of like rocky, like rocker type of dude. I don't know. I feel very unhip right now. But uh, he came up and he, you know, he looked like a partier kind of guy, right? So he came up and he says, hey, I want to be saved, but I don't know how. Like that's like slow pitch softball right there. Soft pitch, right? I don't know how. No one will tell me. And this is what he said next broke my heart. He says, I've been to several churches and no one wants to tell me. I'm like, what the heck? Really? Are you serious? He said, yeah, like I've been to several churches. And then he went on to tell me that he went to a church here in this city in McAllen on a Wednesday night service, went to church in McAllen. And the guy at the, to- the door told him, and this is, this is, I'm telling you the truth when I tell you this. The guy at the door told him, that in order for him to come into the service, he needed to have a suit and tie. No joke. Today, 2015 or whenever it was, in, in this modern era, the guy told him, you need, we have a dress code here. We, we like to honor the Lord with how we dress. And, and essentially was told, you can't come in because you don't meet the dress code. I'm not making that up. This happened here, like I said. And, and did that, like, I don't, I, I don't even want to call that a greeter. Let's say church bouncer, right? <laughs> the little rope, you know, okay. Okay, you're good, right? Church bouncer, letting in the ladies too because they were dressed nice, I guess. I don't know. But this church, church bouncer, did he show partiality? Yes? yes. So I'm asking you, did he show partiality? Right. He, the guy wasn't dressed up in a suit and tie and all that. He, he looked like he looked when I saw him. Right? So you think God cares about what you're wearing when he saves you? Or is that song, come as you are? Like, there's truth in that. Come as you are. God doesn't look at those things. What does he look at? God looks at the heart. At what you're wearing and how much money you have, they have no bearing on God whatsoever. God is timeless. God is eternal. He's always the same. So in this section here, uh, we see James take a turn because all the things that we've read about, he's, he's kind of laid it out in a framework, and we, we see an actual scenario happening. An assembly of believers and one man being told, hey, sit in the best seat in the house. Another person basically sit on the floor. And, and what I want to tell you is if we do that in, in some form or fashion ourselves, it's not being impolite. It's not just being rude. It is sin. 
Did everyone hear me on that? It's not just being rude or snooty, que te crees muy muy, or whatever. Oh, hey, I don't know, someone else will talk to them. It's sin. If God is calling you to talk to that person, to get out of your shell, greet that person. No one else is doing it. It's your call. You don't do it. You're, you're sinning. The sin of showing partiality or favoritism, it's lumped into the same category as what? We see adultery. We see murder. In other words, sin is sin is sin is sin. And the real sin here is that you're making yourself a judge. If you pick one person over another, you are making yourself a judge, right? That's the lamb. That's the goat. You don't have that power. You don't have that right to judge. God does. Okay. And it's very popular. I see shirts and tattoos. Only God can judge me. Have you seen that? Right? Yes, he will. I won't, but he will. So that is the real sin, is that we're making ourselves uh, judges. And, and the verse says, we replace mercy with judgment. We dishonor the poor by saying that they're of less value than someone who is rich. And ultimately, we're not just sinning against that person or, or offending them. We're sinning against God, his ways, and like I said at the very beginning, his image bearers. Because his way is to honor those who are rich in what? Faith. That's who we honor, right? We're to honor the poor of this earth, the lost, the people that society says we shouldn't honor at all. Okay? And going back to that brother, we prayed together. I led him to Jesus. Okay? And, and whether or not I could see it, in, in my, if I had eternal vision, that brother's a king. He's a king of Jesus. Uh, not, not, not a king in, 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 in our sense, but he's, a, he's royalty, I should say. Okay? Child of Jesus. So giving someone the best seat in the house is to be done without choosing one person or another. And oftentimes, giving someone the best seat in the house means you have to give up yours. Literally and figuratively. Right? God calls us to love others as we love ourselves and to love them as God loves them. In other words, we're to love sacrificially. Sacrificially. Okay? So, to, to bring it all together here, our lives are to be testaments to the marks of what, what we know here in, in, this, in this word here is pure religion to gospel that's written on our hearts. And, and pure religion is not following a set of rituals a prescribed outward display. It's displaying mercy over judgment through our speech that uplifts and glorifies God, our love and care for the less fortunate, and our interactions that show how we see others as God sees them. And as God sees them, they're all equal under grace. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you uh, for this word today. And I just ask, Father God, that... Um, as we are hit with this truth, Lord, that you would convict us of when we're being partial or of when our speech is not honoring you, it's not glorifying you. We pray, God, that you would show us times and situations when we're not honoring your image bearers, whether those be brothers or sisters or people who don't know Jesus yet.
So we come on today um, in a way, Lord, that uh, we, we hope would, would bring glory to you and honor to you. And, and as we're working through these scriptures in our minds, in our hearts, I, I would just ask, Father God, again, that you just reveal some things to us that we need to change. Because if we're not changing every single day, Lord, um, and, and be, becoming more like you, we're, in a sense, we're backsliding. We're, we're not getting better. So convict me of that today. Convict the rest of us today. And we thank you for this word. Um, we're going to do, commu- uh, not communion, but we're going to pray for offering, right? Okay? So we have offering teams coming on up here. Um, so we're going to do an offering right now. Let this be an act of worship for you as well. And as, as we're uh, doing offering, again, we're not judging. Somebody puts in a penny or a quarter or a dollar or, or check. We're not trying to see what's there, you know. So let's do that. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to give today. We pray that as we give, we are giving sacrificially, Lord. We pray that um, as, as we're giving today, it's, it's out of the abundance of our hearts. Um, it's not a, a, an empty religious thing. We're just putting money in because that's what ex, what's expected of us. We pray that it be something um, that, that we do to honor you and glorify you. In your name we pray, Lord.